most controversial things that you can get to talking about is chicken. Like, are you a Chick-fil-A person? Are you a Cane's person? Are you a Zaxby's person because of the guy riding on the buffalo wing? Anyone? Anyone? It's a southern thing. There's all this chicken debate. And then you start getting talking about fried chicken versus roasted chicken. You want to say, is it KFC? Is it Pizza Ranch? Hello. <laughs> And then you start talking about at-home chicken, and there's really only one answer to at-home chicken, right? And it's shake and bake. <laughs> when I think about shake and bake, some of you think about uh, Hal Naughton Jr. and Ricky Bobby. Some of you think about Jamal Crawford and his infamous shake and bake move. Others of you immediately are transported back to either your parents or your grandparents' and sitting down to a hockey puck that used to resemble something that was white meat, whether it was actually white meat or the other white meat. Shake and bake. Many of us think about the young woman who helped out her grandma to fool. You ever think about that commercial? Like, grandma is deceiving everyone because everyone thinks she's in the kitchen making fried chicken. And all she's doing is shaking and baking. Thank you, Kraft, for making life easier through macaroni and cheese and powder full of chemicals that we put on our flesh to eat. Shake and bake. I have never used shake and bake in my own home. Um, if you use shake and bake, God bless you. We are in Hebrews chapter 12, and we are continuing this long section that is chapter 12. And the end of 29 is the conclusion of what many think is the main point of the letter to the Hebrews. And some of you are thinking, great, we're almost done. Nah, mostly done. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much Less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have not been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. The writer of Hebrews says that we should not refuse him who is speaking, or to say it differently, we should listen. And whenever I think about listening, I think about this young man. Okay, but I have to yell at you guys. Okay, what? Like everything they do at this house. You can't trust everything at Grandma's house. Okay. Okay, then what? Then you're not listening to me. Then you're not listening to me. I asked you not to do something. Linda, but listen to me. Look at If we do something... But look at Linda, listen. You're not listening to me. You ever feel like that when you're having a conversation like with your spouse? Listen to me. The writer of Hebrews is saying that we are to listen to what God is saying. Because we've been going through this whole section of chapter 12, and we went through the whole hall of faith thing. 
and running this race. And the writer of Hebrews is trying to get us to, and the listener, and the first people to hear this, to understand what it means to live as a follower of Christ within the world. And so there's this compare and contrast of what is going on. And in this little tight section in 12 is this comic, cosmic imagery of past and future. It's an apocalyptic image with previous experiences. It's kind of like this new grand millennial style. You familiar with grand millennial? Of course, because we live in Niswa, and it's becoming popular, so in about 10 years... You'll remember this sermon and say, oh, yes, now we're doing Grand Millennial. As Nikki calls it, it's modern grandma in all the great ways. So it's about the past. It's about the present. It's about the future. And oftentimes when we read Scripture, we chop it up and we miss out on the totality of this picture of what the writers are trying to communicate. So all of this is coming together into this final bit. And the writer is saying, Now we need to listen. We need to listen to him who is speaking. Listening can be so hard, right? You know, like we hear these warnings and we're like, yeah, I mean, really? I mean, I'll never forget 2015. We're anchored out on Gull Lake. The ladies are looking at their phones. We're like, this storm's coming. We're like, but is it really? I mean, it's calm now. What, what could possibly go wrong? So is it a hearing problem or is it an obedience problem? Last week we were up in the Boundary Waters, and, I, and you love it because the person sitting in the front of the canoe says so many things that the person in the back of the canoe can never hear. And so then you have to triangulate the conversation between the two canoes because the guy in the front says, What? What? And the guy in the other boat says, He said this. He said this. It's like an infamous game of telephone. Are we listening to what the writer of Hebrews is trying to communicate? Because what God is communicating is something significant. The implications are significant. The writer says, much less we escape if we reject him who warns From heaven, this isn't just an earthly warning, but it's a heavenly warning. He says, at that time, his voice shook the earth. But now he has promised, yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may Remain, And again, we get this allusion to Moses and the mountain. We get this reference to Haggai, and maybe you pronounce it Haggai. It's not right, but it's fine. <laughs> Had a long conversation at the cabin yesterday about proper pronunciation of words like garage and bag and, you know, the normal words. The prophet Haggai uses this phrase, God promising that he is going to shake the heavens and the earth. We have this Garth Brooks meets San Andreas Fault meets Midwestern Thunderstorm experience. I love to camp. I love to camp in tents. Uh, and this was a couple 13, 14 years ago, and we were camping in Washburn, uh, 
Wisconsin, which is right up by Bayfield. And we were in a tent uh, with, our, with our two little kids. And how Washburn sits, it's kind of like in this peculiar bowl. And this thunderstorm moves in. And if you've ever camped in a tent in a thunderstorm, I mean, it's not that you're naked and afraid, but you're pretty exposed. <laughs> you're pretty exposed. And Nikki and I, between flashes of lightning, are looking at each other like, we're dead. And meanwhile, the kids are just sleeping, well, as kids do. And the ground is shaking, and I'm laying there, and I'm just like, okay, God, like, yes, I get it. You're powerful. Just, I'd rather not die today. (laughs) This imagery of shaking and it's not just this rumbling, this, this rumbling that takes place, but it's a sifting out. It's a removal of the temporary. Because that's what God is going to do. He's going to take the, the chaff of the world and he's going to shake it out and get rid of it. And that all that is left is the eternal. Back when I used to roast coffee, I would do it in a popcorn popper longer conversation for a different time, but as you roast coffee and the beans begin to open up, they release this chaff. So I'd come in and I'd have chaff all over me, but nobody wants the chaff in their cup. you got to get rid of it. Or if you're making wheat and you have to sift off the, sh- the chaff, or a friend of ours who was in, uh, actually a relative of ours, they were in Tanzania and he showed me this pile of rice and it's mixed with rocks. You're like, I don't want rocks in my rice. You can keep that on the side. It's the sifting out of the things that are temporary. God is going to remove, verse 27, the things that are shaken. And at times it seems like this is kind of intense, this cosmic shaking down and sifting out of what is going to take place. And and it's a little bit like, you know, the first season of Stranger Things comes out, and you're kind of like, oh, this is cute. And now this season comes out, and you're just like, I don't know if I can keep watching this. Hebrew starts like, oh, Jesus is nice. And now we're talking about the end of the world. Like God is going to shake out and destroy all of these temporary things, and it gets us a little bit on edge, except there is a wonderful conclusion to this section with this, therefore, in 28. The writer says, Therefore, because of these things, let us be grateful. What? Did you just, could you repeat the part about, like, the shaking down and the sifting out of the world? No, therefore, let us, those who are in the family of God, those who are children of God, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. This is the good news. This is the great part of this section because we don't have to worry about the kingdom of God. Have you ever noticed how people love to spin each other up? We love to participate in what I call chicken little Christianity. Whether it's through clickbait or when we used to like share emails, forward emails like back in the day. 
Kids like, what? What's email? Let me say it uh, for the modern generation. We share those bits of knowledge that we gain on TikTok. We're like, I saw this thing, and guess what? The church is going to die. Christianity is crumbling. It's falling apart. And we're like, but is it really? Because the writer of Hebrews says, the kingdom of God cannot be shaken. But so often we, we miss out on resting in the assurance of the eternality of what God is doing. And we get sucked into the vortex of the world. And we fight, we fight, we fight, fight, fight as if God is going to lose. Except we know that God has already won. God has won. His kingdom cannot be shaken. So why do we get so wound up to fight? Why do we get so wound up to fight these fights when the writer of Hebrews is reminding us that all of these things are going to pass away? And the kingdom of God cannot be shaken. Well, yeah, but... There's no but. The kingdom of God cannot be shaken. We don't have to fight. We don't have to fight. We don't have to war. We don't have to be worried about what is going to happen to the kingdom of God. God has already taken care of it. I know it says that, but what does it actually mean? (laughs) Because I was reading this article the other day. I was watching a thing about the other day. And for some reason, we allow ourselves to close our Bibles, slide them to the side, and feast on cultural Things that get us spun up and give us Christian amnesia. And all we have to do is look at a passage like this and say, the kingdom of God cannot be shaken. How great is that? We're free. It's like we're living and playing with house money. It's like back in the day when you had your your Nintendo and you would put in Contra and you're like up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, B, A, select, start, and you got unlimited lives and I can do whatever I want. And everyone over 50 is like, what is he talking about? It was a cheat code in the Nintendo where you got unlimited lives so you didn't have to worry about your brother coming in and taking over the game after you lost your three lives. You can play forever. Are you dead yet? Nope, still alive. (laughs) Still alive. Unlike Mario Brothers. The kingdom of God cannot be shaken. So those of us who are in the family of God, those of us who have said yes to Jesus Christ, the offering of salvation, we're set. We are set. And yes, the world is going to do all these things and people are going to spin us up into all these ways and try and get us 
to fight the most recent cultural warfare thing that they want us to get involved in. And all it's doing is taking away from the reality and the truth of Jesus Christ and the words of the writer of Hebrews that God's kingdom is unshakable. That's amazing. And meanwhile, we're like, ah, I don't know. (laughs) So we can either deny the truth of Scripture. (laughs) That's an option. Or we can rest in the assurance of these words that Jesus Christ, as the writer of Hebrews is coming to the end and then is going to give us this like big postscript in chapter 13, is saying, in a world where everything seems to be falling apart, remember the writer of Hebrews is writing to a group of people who is being persecuted, who is being killed, who is being sought out, and their lives are being ruined because they are followers of Yahweh, are followers of Jesus Christ, and, and, and they're not the majority. And the writer of Hebrews wants to encourage those in the faith to stand firm and stand fast and to go against the cultural winds that try and suck us in and to be rooted in Jesus Christ. And within all of that, the writer is concluding this big section and saying, don't worry. Don't worry. You're like, the storm is going to come and we don't have to worry. Oftentimes the storm is already here and we don't have to worry. What instead do we do? And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. I mean, what a contrasting picture. Rather than freaking out and getting sucked into the cultural vortex of the moment, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Well, what is acceptable worship? Well, as Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, it's to be a living sacrifice. It's not to be conformed to the patterns and ways of this world, to be, to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. It's to live a life shaped by the cross, to be Christocentric in all the ways that we live and, and breathe and, and function in reality, in our jobs, in our relationships. It, it's embracing the fullness of being sons and daughters of God. Worship is not something that we do. It's a, it's a, a way of living. Worship is not just singing a song. Worship is not just this thing that we're doing in this room. Worship is when I choose to place myself by the wayside and offer myself up to God. Worship is serving on a Sunday morning with kids that you don't even really probably like. (laughs) The thing about comedy and humor is you can't help it. Like, you're like, I'm sorry, but I shouldn't have laughed at that, but it was so true. <laughs> you know, I don't want to serve in children's because I don't really like kids. Okay. Okay. 
Jesus died on a cross. <laughs> we could serve for an hour with some kids. I worship when I walk my dog in the woods and he decides to bite a porcupine. He's okay. His Murph, he's fine. I worship when I bite my tongue in a conversation when I really want to say certain things. I worship when I choose to ask somebody a question to know more about who they are and how I can love them. I worship when I go across to my neighbor's house and say, how are you doing? I worship in so many different ways that isn't about being here in this room, in this building. Because worship is how we live as followers of Jesus Christ in the kingdom of God. And when we are freed from all the noise and all the fear of what's going to happen, and we embrace this posture of offering to God acceptable worship, everything changes. Everything changes. But so often we get sidetracked and we get distracted. Squirrel. And the writer of Hebrews says, because God's kingdom cannot be shaken, we are freed to live a life of worship that is every facet of who I am and how I function and how I live. And it's placing my own desires by the wayside and embracing a Christocentric, cruciform life. Knowing that all this is going to die. It's all going to pass away, but the kingdom of God will last forever. And then concludes, because of all this, don't worry, our God is a consuming fire. <laughs> our God is a consuming fire. Quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 4. And for many, that, that's a terrifying thought. The reality that God is a consuming fire is terrifying. And yet that is not what the writer of Hebrews is trying to communicate. The writer of Hebrews is saying we don't have to worry about God. We don't have to worry about the fire that is God. Because that can be very terrifying. You, you think back to, to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they're being thrown into a fiery furnace. And yet they're not alone. A friend of mine a few weeks ago uh, shared a Hillsong United song with me. And, and the song is Another in the Fire. And it's the reality that, yes, God is a consuming fire, and yet we who are followers of his do not have to worry.
And for some, this passage can bring up fear and trembling, and not in a good way. Not in a good way. But for those who are found in Jesus Christ, those who have said yes to a relationship with a holy God through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we look at this and we say, amen and amen. Woo! We're free. We are free to live into a life of worship and reverence. No matter what happens in this world, no matter what comes our way, no matter what the temporal things are, God has it. Remember a few weeks ago when John was sitting right here, he said, we can do this together. We're in that same section. And the writer is saying, we can do this together no matter what. No matter how much shaking and baking is going to happen, we are safe when we are in Christ. And that frees us to live into acceptable worship with reverence and awe, knowing that God has this. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning And we admit that sometimes we do not listen. <laughs> Many times we do not listen to you. We may hear you, but we do not listen. Our ear is attuned to the soundtrack of the world that spins us into every different direction. This morning, Father, we hear you. We hear your word, we hear the truth and the reality of the writer of Hebrews that your kingdom cannot, will not be shaken. No matter what comes our way, God, you love us and you pursue us and you've given your son that we could be in relationship with you. Holy Spirit, I pray, I beg, I plead that you would flood our lives and remind us of this every single moment of every day that as we become distracted, as we become so tempted to buy into the world, these worldly fights, that are shaded in Christianity, God, we know that you are in control. Your kingdom cannot be shaken. If we have said yes to your son, we can live in freedom, offering up to you worship with every facet of our being. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to please stand. Let's respond together.